Hey everybody, it's Steven. I just needed to break in here for a quick second and ask you guys a huge favor. Uh, this month of October, we are doing the first ever Mostly Harmless Media membership drive. This is where we are asking you, our listeners, to step up and help us continue to bring you great content. What I need you to do is head over to mostlyharmless.media, click on support us. There's a button that says become a member. When you fill out this form, you're going to pick a dollar amount, $1, $5, $10, whatever is comfortable for you. And you're going to set up a recurring payment to mostlyharmless.media. And this is going to help us continue to bring you great programming, continue to bring you new shows like we launched Grounded Sounds in the last few months. Uh, and that has been a huge success. And you guys have really come out of the woodwork and embrace that. And we have some really great things in the pipeline we want to continue to bring you. And we need your support to do that. Uh, all of these shows are labors of love for us. Every single person that works for Mostly Harmless has a day job. Uh, so we're, we're constantly working and we're coming here after hours and we're, we're continuing to produce stuff. So your contribution and becoming a member is going to help us continue to do that and go even further with it. So as a member, what you're going to get is we're going to give you access to some exclusive content. We've got some great videos that we've shot. We've got some short films that we've made. We've got some lost episodes that you've never heard before. All of this will be made available to our members only through a special portal on our website. On top of that, we are going to throw a party here at our beautiful tower studio to just celebrate you guys, to celebrate our shows, uh, to kind of get give that one chance for everybody to get in the same room together, to hang out. We're going to listen to some music. We're going to have some beverages. You know that we have some wonderful sponsors here at the studio. We have Anthem Brewing. We have Ozarka Water. Uh, we've had Elemental Coffee. We've had Urban Tea House. We've had some great local restaurants provide us support. We're going to bring all of these things to bear for this party, and we're going to have a fantastic time. But that's only if you become a member. That's only if you sign up for the Mostly Harmless Media membership during the month of October. So once again, head over to our website, mostlyharmless.media. Click on support us, become a member, do what you can. Thank you again for listening. Thank you for being such an amazing city and such an amazing community for us to do these things and to have been embraced. We cannot thank you enough. Back to the show. In the beginning, the universe was created. This has made a lot of people very angry and has been widely regarded as a bad move. This show will attempt to find the good, the bad, and the weird, and convey them in a seriously irreverent way. Get ready, adventurer, and as always, we apologize for the inconvenience. Hi, I'm Steven. I'm Aaron. And I'm John. All right. Well, we're back here in the studio with some more special guests this week. Um, we're gonna we're gonna kind of go back to our roots. One of our earlier episodes, or second episode actually, first guest was Ron Farrell and Paul Mays, and talking about gardening and urban farming. And we're gonna right. we're gonna get back to that. So uh, why don't you guys go ahead and introduce yourselves? Sure. We'll start with you. My name is Aaliyah Woods, and I am co-founder of Commonwealth Urban Farms. I'm Jo Beth Hammond. I'm a volunteer at Commonwealth. My name is uh, Isaias Santian, and I help out with uh, Commonwealth and Closer to Earth, which is a sister organization with Commonwealth. Yeah. Um, awesome. So, yeah. so, yeah, what is Commonwealth? Like, what's the, what's the deal? <laughs> 
So Commonwealth is an urban farm. We started about six years ago. A group of us in the neighborhood got together. We wanted to um, expand the green space in our neighborhood and um, put it to use in serving, serving our community and growing food together. So we spent the first year just kind of talking about what we might could do and getting our ideas together. And then um, in, well, actually, I guess it was in fall of 2011, we began planting for the following spring. And um, since spring of 2012, we've been growing crops. Um, on the and that was you farm. and Alan Parlier that started that together. There were, there were several of us. Um, Alan was, was also one of the co-founders. Sarah and David Braden were okay. also co-founders. So we had a small group of really dedicated people, and we've just been plugging away ever since. And and a lot more people and have joined in too. Where was this that you established this to begin with? So Commonwealth, um, our actual urban farm location is 3310 North Alley. It's in the Central Park neighborhood, just a block east of Western, uh, close to south of Harding School. And um, you could actually drive by it and not even realize it's there. I was going to mm -hmm. say, a lot of people have mm -hmm. no clue it even exists. Yeah. I drove there. by it several times until until uh, Ron Farrell walked me into it. <laughs> yeah. like, this is right. it right here. It's like, wow, I right. never noticed it was here. Right. Yeah, from the street, it just looks like it's somebody's garden, mm -hmm. and you can't see much beyond that. But if you walk in, it, um, we have uh, close to an eighth of an acre on that lot and kind of the area behind it that we've expanded into. So it's a pretty tiny space uh, for farming, but um, we grow intensively, and so we are able to grow quite a bit of food on that amount of space. It is amazing, actually, how much food you can grow yeah. in a small amount of space. Mm -hmm. um, when I got into gardening, I was doing square foot gardening, you know, the mm -hmm. raised bed sure. garden mm -hmm. technique, and that shows you right there how you can mm -hmm. get a lot out of a small space. Mm -hmm. um, but you also operate what's called a CSA out of there, right? Mm -hmm. So tell us a little bit about what a CSA is and how sure. that works. CSA stands for Community Supported Agriculture. So uh, our current agricultural system um, does provide us with food, but there's a lot of problems that, are, mm -hmm. that come along with it. And so the whole idea behind CSAs or Community Supported Agriculture is to bring the people who grow the food and the people who eat the food closer together and um, give people access to their farmers and give farmers direct contact with their eaters. So um, we have a CSA, which we have nicknamed the Veggie Club. And well, that's, I like that. <laughs> it's a very, yeah, easy, uh, short and simple and fun. Yeah. So people sign up in the spring, in early spring, and they sign up for the year, and then they go ahead and pay for the year or pay for half of it and then pay half later. Um, and then they come once a week and pick up their veggies. So um, the idea with a CSA is that, you're, that you have very uh, direct contact with the people who are growing your food. And in our case, they're coming to the farm itself to pick it up. So anytime they want, they can just walk through the farm and see how those vegetables are growing. Um, it's full transparency in uh -huh. that sense. They can talk to us. And if they have questions about you know, how we grow the food, um, our methods, uh, how sustainable we are, that kind of thing, they can see it for themselves and talk to us about it, give us their suggestions. You know, We get feedback from, from our members. Um, and then um, they also, um, it gives people a chance to be tied in much more closely with the cycle of growing food. Right. So in the spring, we have lots of greens and roots. And in the summer, we have fruiting crops. And in the fall, we have more greens and roots. And we don't have tomatoes in November. That's right. Yeah. <laughs> right. And we don't have lettuce in August. <laughs> so um, people get to eat like close to the ground. Yeah. That was something that I was thinking about earlier this year. I have a, a nectarine tree that I planted on the side mm -hmm. of my house. 
and it makes amazing nectarines. And you can only eat them for about three weeks. And you can't really, they don't really keep, they rot mm -hmm. really fast on the tree. So when they were coming back in this year, I was like, oh, this is gonna be the three <laughs> weeks of the year when I get to eat fresh nectarines, you know, mm -hmm. and then it's gone. Um, and that's something that I think a lot of people don't really ever experience anymore is mm -hmm. that is that cycle of the mm -hmm. food you eat, you know, when it's ready and, mm -hmm. um, you know, yeah, not eating tomatoes in November and that's probably when you're gonna eat more potatoes, you know, that kind of thing. Mm -hmm. Yeah, and at first that could seem like a limitation because we're used to being able to get almost anything. But in this day and age, I think people do see that as a, as a limitation. Right. But the flip side of that is that when you're eating that close, that close to the garden, that what you're eating is really, really good. So yeah. instead of eating a mediocre tomato 12 months a year, you get really good tomatoes <laughs> <laughs> for four months of the year. And yeah. then you skip them for the other eight months or, or use eat canned tomatoes or whatever. But when you are eating food that's in season, that's been just freshly picked, locally grown, it's worth waiting for. It is. So I eat corn two weeks. I eat corn on the cob two weeks of the year because the first time I grew corn in the garden and ate it, it left me speechless. Yeah. It was incredible. And it was so good that I never wanted to go back to the grocery store and buy regular corn again. It just wasn't like I knew what corn was supposed to taste like. <laughs> yeah. So it, it makes it worth it, it makes it worth to worth it to wait it wait for. When it. I first started doing um, raised beds, uh, one of the things that I started growing first was spinach, mm -hmm. and that's kind of your earlier in the year cool weather crop. And uh, there was one morning that I went outside and the spinach was ready to pick, and there had it had gotten down to like maybe thirty degrees that night, and there had mm -hmm. been basically a, a light frost. But that spinach can it can handle that, mm -hmm. and it was extremely cold and extremely mm. crisp and when you ate it like mm. it almost you get it like squeaked against your teeth <laughs> yeah. and it it was sweet like it almost mm. tasted like you're eating something that had sugar on it mm. and all it was was just a leaf of spinach that so was just cold picked fresh that morning and yeah. that's that's pretty much what i think got me addicted to <laughs> to growing stuff um so what, what method would you say that you use there? Like you, you were talking about your growing methods. Is there a particular method that you guys utilize there? Well, we'll use any method that works, that's okay. sustainable, yeah. right? Um, As it's sustainable, that's okay. sustainable, yeah, that's right. So we uh, don't use any kind of chemical pesticides or fertilizers. We're not certified organic, and legally we can't use the term organic if we don't go through the certification process. Sure. And there's a lot of value in that. So it means that... Legally, not anybody can just say, oh, my stuff is organic. Like, you, right. you know, there's a certain code that you need to adhere to. So we aren't certified, um, but we don't use any kind of chemical pesticides or fertilizers. And we do, um, really, our greatest emphasis is on the soil. So if you okay. have healthy soil, then you're going to have healthy plants and you're going to have vegetables that taste good. So that's really where we put our, our biggest focus. And we do a ton, literally, a ton of composting. So uh, the, the compost that we make uh, is what we is is our basic fertility program for the for the garden for the. Farm. So you so you guys make and grow in your own compost. Mm -hmm. And is there do you, don't you have, do you have like an associate like kind of a associated program that goes along with? Right. So Isaiah is part of uh, Closer to Earth, and that's our sister program. And so the composting is a joint project between Commonwealth and Closer to Earth. Like the shirt you're wearing says Closer to Earth, healthy soil. <laughs> Healthy plants, healthy people. Yes, and uh, keeping your plants off drugs. <laughs> <laughs> it, it says it on the back. That's awesome. Yeah. Uh, but, yeah, that's what we did actually this morning at, at 9 is when we start. Uh, we got a trailer full of uh, waste from Whole Foods. Uh -huh. And Alan goes and picks it up himself, brings it back, and uh, we start sorting it from good and bad. 
whatever's good, we keep on each other. Whatever's bad, we take it to the back and uh, put it, you know, throw it on, throw it in some bins mm -hmm. and cover it with wood chips. And then after about like six months, then we harvest it and put it through a worm, worm harvester. Okay. And uh, and then uh, the good stuff comes out, which is the compost, and we that's what Leah puts in, uh, puts in the dirt whenever she plants her crops. And that's what makes it. That's what makes the crop so grow a whole lot better. It's a, it's it's nature's fertilizer. That's yeah. what it is. It's it's the best kind of fertilizer you could have. So that's a, a multi step process. Yeah. To get the soil to where it needs to be. So you, yeah. so you said a worm harvester. How does that uh, work? Uh, it's a compost harvester. It's uh, I did say worm harvester. Mm -hmm. uh, but compost it's a compost harvester, yeah. harvester. and. Uh, it's this machine. Uh, it's a big cylinder that has that uh, screens. Mm -hmm. uh, that's made with like, uh, yeah, screens, and it spins. It's electric, so it spins, and so we put we we shovel it up and put it uh, through one end and out the other end comes out the the wood chips and the stuff that just didn't uh, compost. Like the, like the larger pieces? Yeah, yeah, like the larger pieces. And so all the compost comes out through the screen at the bottom, and that's what we collect. So that's like going to be a finely sifted kind of... That's right, that's right, it is. Bring your hands through it. And yeah. wasn't the intention originally that you were going to sell some of it? Oh, really? <laughs> right, yeah. yeah. Sell some of the compost. Mm -hmm. That yeah. is the plan. Except that we just use, we just keep using. <laughs> so you need it. like gold. Yeah, you yeah, just want to get it away or sell it. <laughs> so we use a ton of it in the at the urban farm. But uh, those composters are working pretty hard. So I yeah. think eventually they'll get ahead of us and we'll have some to sell. It That's is awesome. really really high quality. It's it's actually got a lot of worm castings in it, which makes it yeah. a, a higher quality. So do you so do you have worms that you keep there like the what are um, the little no, wigglers or whatever or? They, they come themselves oh i guess you know that's yeah. right they they yeah. would come if themselves. you if yeah. you plant it they will yeah. come yeah. <laughs> well we did start off with some red wigglers in one what we call the worm bin but then they eventually mm. colonized all of the compost piles so yeah. now all the compost piles are have turned into worm bins which is fantastic mm -hmm. i think there was one year i went to the um was the the home and garden show that they do like in january every year at the state fair and i bought one of those you know the plastic stackable warm mm -hmm. composting things where you're supposed to be able to keep inside of your house quote unquote <laughs> <laughs> didn't really work out yeah. that way but it was kind of awesome having the the worms in there breaking all of that yeah. down um eventually just moved the process out into the backyard mm -hmm. yeah because we we experimented with a lot of different methods of composting everywhere from building our own compost tumblers to having mm -hmm. composting oh, yeah. bins and uh, as we said before on the show we've we have a combined backyard um, and we eventually started covering it in wood chips and I just started composting right in my yard. Instead of putting it into like a worm composter or a bin, I just throw it out there with the chickens and the wood chips. Mm -hmm. And when we moved, when I moved into that house seven years ago, the ground was that caliche, that red hard clay yeah. that you couldn't do anything with. Yeah. And after the years of composting and the wood chips and we have chickens back there, all that, it's just now about an inch or more of just black soil right on top. So I think probably next year I could go right into my backyard now and just plant anywhere that I <laughs> Is want. Is that something that you guys would think about? I know 612 went and got, you know, special city permitting so that they could have chicken. Is that something you guys have ever had any interest in or? Well, we would love to see chickens legalized. In right, city. we would. We've worked towards that. It hasn't Were you happened part yet. of our fight? Like uh, there was a bunch of us that we went down to the went city to the, hall yeah, that one day. We worked on that. Yeah. Didn't make it this time, but I, I believe eventually. <laughs> we'll make it happen. Yep. 
we'll get there. I think there's so many people that, you know, Edmund's trying to do it now. Mm-hmm. Um, and I actually know quite a few people that are keeping them illegal. Well, I know for a fact on our block, I believe at last count, I think there's 12 or 13 chickens yeah. just on our block. <laughs> but it's, but it's, I think everybody's over it. Like, mm-hmm. you know, it kind of, it reared its head in the, in the media and everybody mm-hmm. was following it and interested in it. Yeah. And Nobody has ever really done a whole lot to stop anyone from keeping them. And I think everyone's just kind of, ah, you know what? I'm over it. Whatever. They tried to mm, they tried to interrogate me about it one day <laughs> and actually came to the house. And it, they didn't interrog- really try that hard. They didn't try that hard. But when there wasn't an obvious chicken for them to see, they gave up. And they've never said a thing about it I've since. Ne- never said a word since. I haven't since. bothered me. Well, all those chickens, it's got to be just noisy and smelly and crazy over at your block. It only is is outside of my bedroom window at 7 in the morning. There's this one white chicken that comes to the back of my house and screams at me until I get up. I don't like that chicken. So it's your own? So it's really just your own It's my own complaint. Because he doesn't hear it. I do. I actually, I have my windows open this morning and I can hear him come walking by. Now, this chicken's got mental problems. It's just the one. Other ones are great. I'm fine with them. I don't think its head has room for mental problems. <laughs> anyway, <laughs> sorry. For but the I seem to remember, like, and even I've only been volunteering for two years or so. But there are parts of the farm that, when I started, were that red clay, and just adding that mm-hmm. compost has already made it just really, yeah, beautiful soil and new. Like we've added new beds. I think since I've started, like, there's a whole mm-hmm. half of the the plot that is essentially new, I think, since I started helping out. Nice. Yeah, we do a lot with compost, and then we also plant cover crops, which is a really effective and very inexpensive way to improve your soil. And yep. we've had started gardens where it was heavy red clay to begin with, mm-hmm. and we planted cover crops every year, turned them in, and over the course of about three years, it went from red clay to pretty decent garden soil. Give us so some what, examples of cover yeah. crops. Right, so some winter cover crops, the kind of thing you would plant right now and that would grow in the fall and then kind of hang out in the winter and then start growing again in the early spring would be um, Austrian winter peas, winter rye, hairy vetch, crimson clover, daikon radishes, mustards. All of those will grow in our climate. It's I think the clover is what I'm used to seeing the most. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And like any of the, legu- the clovers and other legumes will add nitrogen to the soil. Mm-hmm. Um, winter rye has a... Has a deep um, root system, so that helps break up heavy clay soils. Mm-hmm. Oh, so the different okay. cover, crop, cover crops will um, perform different functions in improving okay. the soil. And it's a really effective, very inexpensive way to improve your soil if you just uh. give it a little bit of time. It allows nature to do the work instead exactly. of you doing all the work. <laughs> right. does a better job than us. And yes. Yeah. But, um, I think I, I got introduced to what you guys were doing um, a few years ago, did you take, did people donate like portions of their backyards to you or was it people who already lived there? Like he and I lived next to each other and combined our backyards. How did you get that little plot of land together back there? Right. So originally we started with a lot. There had been a house that had burned and um, then been bulldozed. And so we were able to buy that lot. And this was some years back um, after it had been bulldozed. And then, um, Sarah and David, two of the co-founders, bought a rental house that the backyard came um, up, uh, so that made kind of an L shape with our farm. So they turned part of that backyard and extended our farm that way. And then we were able to um, buy at auction from the county 
um, a house that had gone back for back taxes. Oh, really? So now we have, or house, I mean, a lot. The house had yeah, been bulldozed. Yeah, it was like it got into probate or something. And so we have now an L-shaped um, cool. piece of property. So, yeah, so we actually eventually, once that lot, the, the newest lot, we are still bioremediating the soil from lead and chlorodane contamination. Yeah. So we, we aren't planting food crops in it yet, um, but eventually we'll have an L-shaped was it like, for instance, um, covering a property like that in wood chips, like over a few years, mm -hmm. that does help rid the soil of any contaminants it might have then, like like lead or something that you wouldn't necessarily want in there? It wouldn't necessarily rid the soil, but it would um, uh, dilute it, so okay. to speak. And yeah, we use tons of wood chips, uh, same thing as you were talking about. Mm -hmm. We just use them for paths and for composting and for everything. Um, we are currently growing sunflowers on the lot that we're trying to clean up the soil. Okay. So sunflowers are supposed to be a good crop for um, pulling uh, lead out of the soil. Interesting. So this is new for us to, to bioremediate okay. for lead. So we're yeah. going to find out uh, how, how good of a job it does. So we got the front half of the lot covered in sunflowers right now. And later in the month, after they die back, we'll pull them out, uh, compost them separately in a designated mm -hmm. bin, and then um, retest the soil and see if the lead levels have gone down. Something I, I grew sunflowers uh, quite a bit a few years ago, and apparently some people will eat the root of the sunflower. Uh, I forget what that's called, mm -hmm. um, but I had a friend telling me that, that when you pull out the giant sunflower plant at the bottom of it, it'll, it'll look like a tuber, and people will cut that off and, and cook it. There's dishes that you prepare, like that giant root from the mm -hmm. bottom of a sunflower, and use it in dishes. I've never tried it, but I've never heard of that. I don't, yeah. know, I don't know that to it's, a, it's a thing, and I, people actually do I, that. I imagine that you wouldn't want to do that with sunflowers you planted to full. Well, yeah. yeah. Know where you're planting. <laughs> well, there's sun chokes, and those you eat the roots on those. Maybe and that's what I'm thinking those. of. Sun chokes? Sun chokes, Jerusalem artichokes, which is the Oh, no, yeah, yeah, I'm thinking of, no, I'm thinking of sun yeah, sunflowers. sunflowers. There you go. Yeah. At Jerusalem artichokes, I think I knew somebody that was growing some of those, too, and those get... The same size as like those giant sunflowers, right? right? Exactly. Okay. Yeah, they have a big yellow flower. Mm -hmm. Interesting. All right, so. I'm gonna have to go back and look up that stuff then about sunflowers. <laughs> yeah, maybe there, there's a lot of things that are edible that we just don't That's right true. under our nose. We don't know about. Mm -hmm. it's one of the things when I first started hanging out with Paul Mays that he would do, like come over to yards, like you can eat that and that, and I'm like pulling <laughs> all the stuff that yeah. other people are like probably spraying, you right. know, weed yeah. killer on, yeah. and it's like, don't do it. You can eat that. Yeah, purslane is one of the weeds that grows in our garden. Talk about purslane. It's, it's, it's really it's very tasty and it's super nutritious. And um, wait, say the name of it again. Purslane. Purslane. R S L A N E. Yeah, and it's uh, yeah really really nutritious, wild green, and it's tasty too. Which a lot of wild greens are kind of bitter. Uh -huh. It's sort of an acquired taste, but purslane is not. It's it's a succulent actually. It's kind of juicy, very small leaves, right. and um, grows like crazy in the summer. We never water it. It's super drought tolerant. It's like an ideal yeah. Oklahoma vegetable. I, my dad likes to grow okra, and he was pulling up a bunch of what he just called weeds out of his garden. And uh, I had been foraging once with Jackie Dill and Paul Mays, and they're like, that's not a weed. That right there is called lamb's quarter, and you can oh, eat that. Yeah, mm -hmm. yeah. And so my dad's garden was completely filled with what he called weeds. I was like, you're yeah. actually pulling up edible food and just right. throwing it on the ground. And most of it's more nutritious than the kind of food that we're trying to <laughs> Probably. grow. Probably. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Um, but you guys have some big news coming up, right? Something to celebrate. Yes, we do. Do you want to? Uh, well, so back in January, we got a big donation from Kyle Singler um, to build a hoop house, which is 
they're do, still doing right now. We were right. doing that all morning. And um, for the last like month or so, we've been um, had different Saturday work days to get it built. And later this month on the 22nd, we are hosting our hoop house opening called Hoopapalooza. Okay. Um, so there'll be music and activities for kids, farm tours. So if people want to come see, walk through. Um, Food trucks. And see the compost lot um, and come walk through the hoop house. Um, I think stuff will be growing, maybe. Yeah. yeah. We'll have stuff growing already in the hoop house by then. So So now Kyle Singler, he's a Thunder basketball player, right? Yes. Okay. How did how did you guys get connected up with Kyle? Well, we just got a call from them out of the blue. Um, apparently Kyle is from I think he's from Oregon and he had some friends who were doing urban ag there uh-huh. and um, was really interested in it and impressed by it. And when he came to Oklahoma, wanted to support urban ag here. Right so on. they looked around and found us and decided to support us, which is fantastic. Yeah. So we're using that money to buy the hoop ho- to build the hoop house and then also some other tools that we needed. So it's been a huge, huge help for that us. That is fantastic. What exactly is a hoop house? Well, it's a house you play basketball. <laughs> 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 I did not make <laughs> It's a greenhouse well paid for by a basketball player. Yeah, there's going to be a little basketball court inside, <laughs> shoot hoops. That's awesome. We might do that. <laughs> um, right, sometimes it's also called a high tunnel. Uh, hoop house is okay for high tunnel. So um, it is basically a greenhouse without any uh, heat, heating or cooling. So it's just a series of hoops mm-hmm. um, covered in plastic. That's the simple version with doors on either end. And um, really all it provides is this um, single, sometimes double, but in our case, single layer of plastic, and yet it, it um, makes a microclimate inside that really promotes plant growth. It's astounding how much of a difference one layer of plastic will make uh. for plants growing. So we'll be growing uh, lettuce and spinach and kale and chard and that kind of thing in the hoopas this winter. So yeah, I was gonna say you could do your cool weather crops inside of that, right. even when it's, there's mm-hmm. like an ice storm outside. Yeah, right, so th- all of those are crops that wouldn't die in a light freeze. I mean, mm-hmm. they have to be cold hardy. We couldn't grow tomatoes in right. it in the middle of January. Um, but by having that extra layer of protection, which, which protects it from the wind, um, and then also just helps it warm up more during the day and uh, moderates the temperature some, uh, the crops will grow much, will have much more bountiful crops from growing them inside. And then we can use it also, that frame, for putting shade cloth on it in the summer and then grow some summer crops that will there need a little go. extra protection in the summer. Yeah. So very useful. So this is just going to expand what you have to offer mm-hmm. to people because is it something where you don't really have a whole lot in the wintertime to give people? For the CSA or? Right. The CSA is three season. Three, okay. Um, and we may eventually expand that, but don't want to get too far ahead of ourselves. We do also sell to restaurants. And starting okay. last winter, we, we went 12 months selling to restaurants. But we were lucky last winter because it was a mild winter. So it didn't really put us to the test. Yeah. Um, but if we get a harsh winter, winter, we would not have too much from the field, from the open field. Um, so Hoop House will help us out with that quite a lot. And you guys are open to having volunteers? Like if somebody wants to come out there and get their hands dirty that's never <laughs> yes. that's never tried or doesn't have access maybe yeah so yeah i live in a pretty small apartment like mm-hmm. at downtown um so i have in our balcony faces north and we just like have never get sun on it so yep. when i moved here i was really interested in getting involved in some urban agriculture in some way and literally just googled urban <laughs> farming <laughs> in oklahoma city just expecting to see like a little community garden or something and then 
happened upon Commonwealth and perfect. Yeah, get to go learn and um, yeah, I get my hands dirty and all the stuff that I would hope I would do if I had a yeah. <laughs> had space, but I get to do it somewhere else, so <laughs> it's kind of nice. That's awesome. Yeah. So every Saturday morning from 9 a.m. to noon, we have what we call Common Work, uh-huh. and it's um, a service learning experience. People can come anytime for the whole time. Or but this is every time. Saturday from 9 every to Saturday. noon? Yeah, every Saturday morning oh, wow. from 9 to noon. And so people can come, and they can volunteer with the composting and learn more about that, or they can volunteer in at the urban farm itself, learn more about growing and planting. And within another week or two, we'll have the hoop house finished, yeah. and then people can help with that. That hoop house would be awesome to go hang out in in the wintertime. <laughs> so you, you sell this stuff also to lo- just local people that want to buy from the Commonwealth? Right. So right now we are selling to our members and, okay. and um, to restaurants. So you, to buy our vegetables, you have to be a member. Um, sure. And that happens. People sign up in the spring. And we have a long waiting list. So infor- I mean, it's a good thing yeah. that there's so much more demand than, than what we can supply. But um, our hope is that uh, more and more people will start urban farms in Oklahoma City so that anybody who's interested in doing that kind of thing can have access to um, somebody growing close to them in mm-hmm. their neighborhood. So you said there's a waiting list, but what does the membership thing look like? How does that work? So mm-hmm. you can sign up in a spring and it's a yearly membership fee or? Mm-hmm. Right. So we tweak it a bit from year to year. This year it was a $250 membership fee. And we have a 32-week season um, and people could choose and come um, for 25 weeks during that season. So they were essentially getting a $10 bag of veggies. And then when they come, okay. we have um, all the vegetables that are ready to harvest that week are laid out on the table and then they can pick this week I want kale, maybe next week I get lettuce, you know, whatever. They can choose from what's available. So um, some CSAs are set up that you just get, everybody gets the same bag of veggies. Mm-hmm. Ours happens to be that pe- since people are coming to the farm itself to pick up anyways, then we give them the choices that we have available that week. That's cool. And that's an awesome weekly experience. I mean, instead of walking into the grocery <laughs> store and throwing stuff in plastic bags and bringing it home, you're going mm-hmm. out to where it was grown and picking it up mm-hmm. right there from the person that grew it. Mm-hmm. Well, and last year the model was we could, if you were a CSA member, you could actually go pick and harvest on oh, your own wow, okay. a certain amount. Mm-hmm. Um, and so it was even more of a learning component. Um, it was, yeah, it was fun, but probably a little difficult for <laughs> pe- the Leah and Sarah to teach us all, yeah. tw- however many there are of us, well, this is how you do carrots and this is how you harvest bok choy or whatever, so... Probably a little, it was, a little it was better fun. for you It was week. fun. It's here. <laughs> a little more time consuming for people too. So mm-hmm. this is yeah. probably a bit easier. Well, how do we how do we find you out in the social media world? Um, we are on Facebook as Commonwealth Urban Farms and Instagram as well. Um, and then we are we just have our website as so those are kind of the three. I think we have a Twitter account. It's not been used in a while. Um, so <laughs> it's probably not the best way to get information from right. us, but Facebook and Instagram. Um, and then we keep our website pretty well mm-hmm. up to date. Um, all of our garden, we have garden schools every couple Saturdays. So all those are listed on the website um, as well. Just information about kind of the different, um, like we have a pollinator garden and some other kind of more niche things that you can learn about through that as well. A pollinator garden. Is that like a garden of wildflowers where your bees come to? Yeah, right. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, right. This year, we um, thanks to a um, donation from the Urban Ag Coalition, we planted a pollinator garden right in the front. It's right at street level. So anybody, you don't even have to walk in the I've garden. I've seen that, yeah. You just come right there. Actually, I've been by there. And we've got labels on most of the plants so that you can, if you look at a plant and you don't know what it is, you can identify it there. And um, our, the purpose of that is to bring in the pollinators. Yeah. 
So it helps our farm because the pollinators <laughs> will pollinate our vegetables. Yeah. And then um, also just in general, we're trying to, you know, encourage more. Do you keep hives there? We don't have beehives yet on the farm itself, but we do have other beehives within a block of okay. other I, so I know somebody has to have one near me. I have, um, mm-hmm. there's this massive, I guess it's like a member of the mint family, this plant that gets enormous oh. in front of my porch and it has these rows of big blue flowers on it. Oh. And right now it is just covered in a thick layer of bees. Oh, I was just sitting on my porch this morning just watching them. There, <laughs> there had to have been at least a hundred bees. Oh around this thing it was it was kind of a oh, comforting great. thing to witness it's like well at least i know i got some bees hanging yeah. out here <laughs> i know they're dying off but i got mine yeah, <laughs> go find your own how can uh, how can we help with closer to earth um every uh sunday and saturday well all right sundays we work from uh now it's uh four to six and Saturdays we work from nine to twelve, which is composting. And Mondays we work from nine to twelve, also compostings, composting. And Wednesday we work uh, from four to six uh, at the at the community garden, which I live right across the street from, so mm-hmm. it's convenient. Mm-hmm. And that's awesome. That's uh, uh, Shark Tail. It's on Thirty First and Shark Tail, and. Uh, I mean, you can just come and volunteer. Um, just come. Just show up. And yeah, just show up, and we'll we'll start doing something. Because I've I've driven around before. I used to live at Thirty First and Walker, uh-huh. and that's kind of how I started learning that this all existed. And I'd see you guys out working somewhere in some median together, yeah, all that's working right. on a project together. Yeah, doing yeah. good stuff. Yeah, we we uh, we uh, take care of uh, four medians uh, from. Uh, from 30th to in front of Harding. I'm not sure what street that is, but in front of Harding. Mm-hmm. And uh, we, we maintenance all those meetings. Those, that's uh, all closer to earth. Uh, the city isn't involved in any of that. And so we, we plan what we want to plant and, in, in the community garden and uh, on the meetings. And then don't you all do uh, the zero waste events as well? For certain, for those, the museum, I think. Yeah, that's right. That's like uh, once a year thing, okay. though. Yeah. That's not really. <laughs> but, yeah. Don't need help with that. They got that. <laughs> <laughs> and it's all it's all ages encouraged. I mean, that's not. Yeah, tight. that's right. That's right. Uh, so I'm 16, and uh, anybody can come and help if they like. But yeah. That's awesome. I mean, you guys are fitting right in with what we <clears throat> like to feature here. Is yeah, you know, just we're just regular people getting mm-hmm. out and making our neighborhoods and our city just more the way that we want mm-hmm. it to be. And I mean, that's one of the best ways to do it is go get your hands dirty, mm-hmm. get out there and start growing stuff. It's a great gardening has so many benefits. I mean, one is certainly you get to eat the food, which yeah. is great, um, but it's also a great way to bring people together and mm-hmm. for people to connect in a neighborhood. Maybe people who don't know each other, but food is a common language. Uh, crosses cultures and languages and um, in our experience gardening in our front yards and starting Commonwealth it's been a really powerful way to knit our neighborhood closer together it's impressive well anything else I think we're gonna go ahead and wrap her up then thank right, you guys so you. much thank for you. being here oh, thank great. you so much for thank you for the work here. you do yeah. a pleasure. thank you
Can't wait to see that hoop house. <laughs> yes, Great. come. Come, yep, come. <laughs> Noon to three on the 22nd. Awesome. Thank you guys so much. Appreciate it. You've been listening to The Wafty Show with Stephen, Aaron, and John. As always, we need to thank Joshua Path for the use of our theme song, Cement Truck, off the album Between Heaven and Jonestown, recorded by the magnificent Kurt PR. Kurt's Kurt's awesome. awesome. That is available on iTunes, CD Baby, and anywhere the internet can be found. Remember, as you go out to visit our local places and events, make sure you take care of those who take care of you. Tip your waiters, waitresses, bartenders, musicians, and artists. They're out there working hard for you. And head over to mostlyharmless.media where you can check out some of our other great programming. And you can also support us by clicking on the Support Us link where you will find various ways to support us by either becoming a member or buying ads on our shows. We come out with a new episode every Monday. You can find us on iTunes by searching We Apologize for the Inconvenience where you can subscribe, rate, and comment. You can find us on Twitter and Instagram at Wafty Show. Facebook.com slash Wafty Show. We'll see you next week. I'll be free.